So if you're in Romans chapter 12, if you have a Bible, that's uh, where we're spending a lot of time this semester. And we're really going to be focusing on verse 9 up to verse 13, if we can get there. Um, I gave an illustration, or I gave a story at the beginning of last week, and it went something like this. Uh, I did correct the the typo. Uh, About this, uh, this is not uh, an uncommon thing. This is a very common kind of relationship situation. It's not very uh, very egregious. It's not like a horrible thing, but it happens. Okay, so Bill's relationship with his roommate Joe is okay. They earn, they eat a lot of meals together. Whenever he needs a ride, Joe is always there to help, but recently Bill has been making Joe feel uncomfortable. Bill met the scholarship athletes down the hall. Now he constantly is talking about them. Twice this week, he ditched Joe so he could meet up with his new friends. Joe doesn't want to be needy, but it sure seems like Bill is turning into a bad friend. Last two weeks have been especially hard with Joe, with his mom and dad talking divorce again and the possibility of having to sit out next spring semester. What did we talk about? What do you say to Joe? Or what do you say to uh, to Bill? Well, actually, how would you how would you help Joe, this guy who's, who's got a friend named Bill who's just not being a great friend? What would you tell him? I really don't remember what we talked about. That's okay. We talked about his selfishness. And, and that's really where it started with this idea of being self-centered. Um, Notice how, here, and check this out. It works this week. We got it to work. Isn't that amazing? Now if I can just get that to go away. I don't know how to do that. Uh, great, okay. Um, so so you got eating meals together. So you've got this idea of friendship. It was working. Come on. Let's see if I can get this to work. There we go. No, come on. It was just working. You, you think it... Try it uh, whatever. I was so excited because it worked just a minute ago. I don't know why it's not working now. But the, the idea is they're eating meals together, so it provides this kind of friendship. He also provides transportation. But what Bill, he, he finds somebody else, and he's using, he's using his friends to get what he needs. So when it's his roommate, his roommate provides that kind of fallback. That, hey, if I don't have anybody to eat with, I can use my roommate. If I need a ride, I can get a ride for my roommate. I can... Um, you know, but once I find somebody cooler than my roommate, I ditch my roommate and go to the cool people. Okay, so he's being—he's using people for his own benefit, and he's turning into a bad friend. And the problem is, is that Joe here is really needy. Okay, he's—he's he's going through a hard time, and nobody knows it. Um. Uh, so Bill and Joe, uh, there's just there's a problem here, and they're not—and they're not—he's not being helping. A helping friend. He's not being the kind of friend you need to be. And in, Rome, in Romans twelve nine, it says this: Let love be. Without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cleave to what is good. So, genuine love is uh, first we're supposed to guard against hypocritical love because genuine love is a giving love. That's a blank. It's a sacrificial love that looks out for the needs of others. It gives up something you treasure for someone else's benefit. So, real love, genuine love that's giving, is the opposite of sensual or sexual. Uh, I should say sensual or lustful love, because that kind of love takes. It's the kind of love who looks at other people as a way of, you could use them for your own benefit instead of looking at other people as a way to pour out your life into them. Okay? It's a reverse. And you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not lustful towards someone else. Okay, that's fine. But is the way you treat people, do you, tre- do you use them? Or are you uh, friendly? Are you loving towards them? So, uh, likewise, hypocritical love is this kind of selfish love. It doesn't look out for the others. Hypocritical love is big on words but light on action. So you might, you know, say, I love you, or you might say, 
lots of things like that. But when it when it comes down to it, are you really the kind of friend who's going to to do something about it? So here's this word, this Greek word that is the word without hypocrisy that we have from that verse. Um, uh, it has an A on the front. Let's see if we can get this to work. I really would like for us to work if I can circle that. It doesn't look like it is. Maybe if you click the color. So I click the colors. So I did that. I did that. Let's say red. Let's make it that. Let's make it. Oh wait. Okay. Okay. And let's see if it'll. I got the pin on top of the circle. He circle. That circle. No. The yeah, pin like above. Click it. back on it and then click. It does. Three different. And hit that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just giving me the hype of that. I don't know. It was working. That's what's so weird. The word, the letter A on the front, it gives you a neg negation, kind of like when we say something like is, it's atypical. It means it's not typical. Uh, if you throw an A on the front, it negates it. So this is the without hypocrisy, the idea of hypocrisy, but without hypocrisy. So that is that it's, it's without pretense, it's genuine, it's sincere, the kind of love that's sincere. That's what the Bible tells us we're supposed to show towards each other. So here's where we got into our discussion. A couple questions here. First one, kind of personal. Do you love people for what they can get you, or do you love them regardless? Um, would it change the way you saw certain friends if they went through a financial hardship or had a TMI, a TBI, sorry, a traumatic brain injury? I had a friend kind of told you a story about my friend who uh, got in a car wreck and was in a coma for three months, and he changed his personality when he came out of that coma. It was very different. And he lost a lot of friends. And it's tough uh, when you are the kind of, uh, you know, are you the kind of friend who, when someone goes through something like this, are you going to be around? It's a hard question. So here's our, where we kind of got stuck, and I, I kind of developed this out a little bit because obviously it, it provided a little bit of conversation. How does the common assertion that we should, quote, love ourselves square with what the Bible teaches about true biblical love? So there's two things here, and let's talk about this. What is the, well, I gave you the answer. Unbelievable. Biblical love, the object of your love in the Bible is who? God and your neighbor. God and your neighbor. Should be, it might be blanks there. I don't know. Depends on how consistent I was. I gave everything? Still no. Um, God and your neighbor. The Bible never tells you to love yourself. Okay? Here's some verses. Who wants to read Matthew 19, 19? This is a quote from the Old Testament. Go ahead. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, honor your father and mother. Here's a couple commands. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, if it's telling you to love your neighbor as yourself, what is the implied? That you love yourself. Okay, how about this one? Here's another response to a question. Who wants to read that? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So love whom? God? And your neighbor. Your neighbor. Yeah. As yourself. As the same way you love yourself, love your neighbor. your neighbor. He doesn't say, Albert, love yourself. That's not a biblical, that's not a biblical truth. Here's another one. What about this one? Galatians 5.14. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, same thing. So, 
How about this passage? This is for husbands. This is mostly addressed to guys here. Uh, who wants to read this? Okay, Albert. Yeah, you should know this. Studying for your marriage, <laughs> for your wedding. Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does to the church. Because we are members of his body, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife and as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. All right. So how does this square with our with what you hear from like psychologists or from people in your public school growing up, or maybe even a pastor might have said it with a good intention, or a friend says you just need to love yourself today. What is the if you're thinking Bible, if your goal is to think biblically, to think what the Bible says first, how do you deal how do you how do you respond to that? How do you um, address that kind of comment? What is actually going on? You mean when someone in the world would say, oh, I hate myself, or I, yeah, I so, don't like myself, what's really going on? Yeah, so someone says, I hate myself. Or can you love your neighbor as yourself? Would they be angry at themselves? Hold on, hold on. How, how can you love your neighbor as yourself if you what? If you hate yourself. If you hate yourself. Okay, so how, how I guess my asking is, is, is when people say they hate themselves, how does that manifest? What does that look like? What does it look like? Like if low if if, okay, low confidence. I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, that's, that's low self esteem. Low self esteem. So if someone says, if you say, okay, he or she suffers from low self esteem, what what would be the um, indicators? Indicators, the the red flags. You the, like the extremes? Maybe not the extremes. Just, okay, sure. Let's take it to the extreme. With their head down? Okay. Like in how they act, so it's like they tend to complain a whole lot because everything is better than what they have, and it's like maybe yeah. So there can be there's a couple of different pictures. There's one of the person who is who is depressed, who is um, down on their luck, who just who who maybe is upset the fact they're not smart enough, not pretty enough, not cool enough. They have a low opinion. Of, of themselves right is that, is that kind of a general picture I'm just trying to make sure we're all on the same page as what I'm doing Amanda I'm just trying to say okay if I say if I say a person with low self esteem what you're thinking may not be the same person person I'm thinking I'm trying to get and then you know trying to get that same picture in everybody's mind okay any other comments I'm glad you did that because in my head like I'm trained to work with the most extreme cases so in yeah. my head I'm thinking like They've got anorexia or something. Like, okay. I went a whole different route. Yeah. Physical, so, physical. It can be physical. Mutilation. That could be oh, physical mutilation. Yeah. Like People cut themselves, or starve themselves. Or somebody's insecure. Yeah. Mild or extreme. Oh. Based on you know their appearance. Appearances or. What was the initial question? So the question is is that is this this is what it this is what I'm getting 
is that I, I think sometimes when we use phrases, we don't ground them in, in what the Bible says. Sometimes we just take what people say and accept it. So I, I'm kind of throwing this out there, and I want you to think about it. Maybe the idea of the, the whole premise behind the idea of you need to love yourself is not a right premise. Because, because when those, all those things like anorexia, people say, I don't love myself. I don't, I'm not happy with how I look. I hate myself, so I'm going to cut myself or I'm going to starve myself or whatever. I'm going to um, – I, I don't have no, – you know, I hate myself because I'm not rich enough or I, I don't have the right friends or whatever it might look like. There's all, I've talked to people who've had these different – they've had different things. If you actually trace what is the actual root sin that's driving that thought, we talked about roots and fruits one year, and often it comes down to this. It's not, it's not a lack of self-love. It's actually an abundance of self-love. It's the fact of I – it's a self-focus of I am way too good for this, to be, to be living in a body like this. I, I mean, <laughs> under, I deserve a way better family than what I got. Or um, – I'm trying to think of other ways. I'm trying to think of the people I've counseled through. What's what's that? We you want to share? Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that. There is true discouragement. Yes, I'm not saying that lack of self confidence is the same thing because because what I'm getting at is not the idea of being unsure of yourself. What I'm talking about is people who tell you you need to have this this lovey dovey feeling towards like you ought to look in the mirror, see yourself, and be like. Aren't you the greatest thing ever? They want you to be super confident. They want you to have such an ego. So here's the question. What is the, what is the Bible word for high self-esteem? If there is a Bible word for it. Uh, pride? Like self-righteousness? Pride? Self-righteousness. self-righteousness? So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with confidence, but you want to be confident in things that you actually should be confident in. Like, my kids are confident in things they should not be confident in. A Hallie, um, she's incredibly calm. When I'm, the funniest thing, I was telling Jenna, this scared me to death. I'm at the top of the stairs. We have a little short flight of stairs. And Hallie saw me, and she runs towards me. And there's a flight of stairs, and she just getting the end and just keeps going. And I catch her. I mean, I'm right there, so I catch her. But she has no doubt in her mind that I'm going to catch her. She has all the confidence in the world, and that's great. You know, but it's kind of scary. I'm like, whoa. Like, she didn't hesitate at all. She just kept going. Like, she took a step, and there was nothing there except me to catch her. Um, <laughs> But uh, you ever been with somebody who's way overconfident? Mm-hmm. I've been with driver people driving with people who are way overconfident. They're driving way too fast and way too recklessly for their ability. So I'm not talking about being overconfident or being confident based in lies or deceit. Yeah. I think too, if if the if we think that the root is low self esteem is that we don't love ourselves enough, then the answer to that is to love ourselves more. And so then what we end up doing is pouring more time into focusing inwardly instead of it becomes um, it 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 becomes almost an obsession. That's where you get your you know, like anorexia or because it's so there's no upward upward focus. Oh no, upward or outward focus, right? And so I think I think you're right. So the idea of if you become, um, it's kind of like uh, Drew plays golf, and I play golf. It, it, I used to struggle with a really big slice off my drive. It was terrible. I had a terrible slice, but I didn't understand the golf swing. And I thought, oh, I have to fix this slice. I thought I need to swing more to the left. And I didn't realize 
that was actually making it worse because I was putting more spin on the ball and it was going even further to the right. I could not figure out what was going wrong. I thought I was doing something to help my problem. It was doing the exact opposite. It was making it worse. So sometimes that happens is by, by saying, oh, I need to focus inwardly. Um, where actually the biblical pattern is, is that you don't think about yourself because the natural man, look here, no one has ever hated his own flesh. The idea of everybody loves themselves naturally. You take care of yourself. Um, to a certain extent, I mean, you eat. If you're uncomfortable, you make yourself comfortable. If you're hot, you know, you take off a jacket. If you're, if you're in pain, you sit down or you take a pain pill. You do things to care for yourself naturally. It's how God made you and how all of us are. Yeah, Jen? Oh, I was just going to say, just the fact that sometimes discouragement and low self-esteem is driven by the idea that we want to make ourselves happy. Like, we yeah. pursue happiness yeah. as one of our main goals. As a, as and if you hated yourself, you'd pursue... Misery. Misery. I mean, think about it. If you really hated, like if you hate somebody, do you want what's best for them and what's worse for them? What's worse for them? Right? If you really, if you just, I mean, not, not, uh, not to be mean here, but if you really hate somebody, like if you really vilely hate somebody, you want what's worse for them. You want them to die. You want them to suffer. So why is it that people who love themselves, uh, or who say, you know, they don't, are struggling, um, now, sometimes they inflict pain. That's, I think that can be getting into counseling. That can get into another whole thing about control and all sorts of different aspects. But um, when it comes to this, often it's a matter of, of, of pursuing, uh, pursuing things. Not always. I'm not saying always. I'm just saying for most people, I think that we buy into this. We say, oh, wow, I really lack self-esteem. I lack a love for myself where really you need to focus on other people, not on yourself. Yeah, Hannah. I... Sure. I like, read a quote that was saying that like humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. So I like to think of it like uh, the idea of, of losing yourself. Losing, because um, everybody has like a little bit of a, um, they carry around a little bit of a persona. Like they, they, they show the world themselves, like who they are. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody carries a little bit of a, um, um, I'm not wearing a mask, but it's like that a little bit. So you're, yeah, you're aware of yourself. You're aware of how you come off. So you are aware of how people are looking at you, how people are listening to you, how people respond to you. You're aware of that. And so um, people lose their self-awareness when they're really engrossed in something. I remember um, when you're really watching a good movie, you, you get engrossed in it, and you realize your mouth has been open. <laughs> you know, I, there's a girl at our church who plays the piano, and when she plays the piano, she looks really angry. Because she's, she's engrossed in what she's doing, and she's so engrossed that her, her face contorts. And I'm like, you know, oh, that's, a, you know, it's kind of scary, scary looking. I mean, people do things when they get, there was a fa- funny story someone told me um, about uh, their wife, who was very, deco- you know, very proper, whatever. But at football games, she would all of a sudden, you know, ah, scream, jump off the couch or whatever, get all excited. And in that moment, she wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking about what was going on. And so I think we got to move as, as, as Christians. You'll find you are much more um, blessed and much more satisfied as you think of yourself less and think of how you can serve others, how you can love others, how you can love God versus constantly be thinking about how I can love myself more, how I can be almost like, and the way I hear people talk about it almost is, is language of almost being in love with yourself. It's like look in the mirror and just look into your eyes and say, you're the greatest, you're the most attractive, you're the most... You know, but what if that's that's not true? <laughs> I, 
Or if you're not the smartest person in the world, that's okay. God has made you for a purpose. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the greatest. You don't have to be the most beautiful person in the world to do things for God. Albert? As you're talking, I'm just thinking, you know, so that's why I hate myself for this person. Some people just say, I love myself. It almost seems like there's, for some, it's it's almost a mentality of, well, I just lost the word. They're They're not content. They're, they're discontented. So in, in the simple they love themselves, they're not content because they don't have it. Yeah. And when they say, well, I hate myself, is they're not content with the reality of, like for Christians, how God has blessed them. Yeah. And, they, and they, there's, so there's a negative connotation. You say, well, that person must really hate themselves because they're not, so well, such and such got a new car and you know, I've got the same old clunker. But then they go, and they start going off because they're, they, uh, what Pat, one thing that Pastor fans that always sticks, sticks with me is when you start looking in when you start thinking wrong you quit thinking about God correctly huh. as soon as you do that it, it's, a, it's a downward it's just, it just, everything starts going wrong in your mind so I just think somebody's hate themselves there's a, there's a discontentment with their yeah. own yeah I was just going to add I think when we I think it's a constant battle to be in that mindset I don't yeah. think anyone can stay in that mindset perfectly but when we are there when we when it is it should be enough for us to know that God loves us and that he made us perfectly. And so I think it allows us to look at ourselves honestly too. Like it's it's okay then to say, well, I have deficiencies in this area, but it's not going to be a debilitating thing to me because it's like we can have confidence in God. Right. That he he strengthens us in our deficiencies and and it's enough that he loves us and he made us rather than, Oh, I, I either ignore my deficiencies and pretend I'm perfect, or right. I wallow in my deficiencies and forget that God's sufficient. Right. So I think uh, I just have one comment, and then I want to hear what you guys say. I think sometimes what I hear from people when they talk about I'm really struggling with self-esteem right now because I'm so not confident or I'm unhappy with where I am. It's it's a it's like um, you know the confidence of God that God has made you who you are for a reason. And God has given you everything that you need to love him. And just because you're not movie star or super rich, uh, that's nothing to be discouraged about. And, and you don't need to, and to learn how to be content. Paul says, I have learned whatever state I am to be content. This idea of you know, taking what God has given you and saying, how can I better serve God and others with the situation I'm in? Not blaming others, not saying, well, I, you know, if, if it hadn't been for so-and-so, Hadn't been for my dad and mom doing this, then when I was a kid, I would be this. Then you're blaming them or you're blaming other people for deficiencies you have. Recognize that, hey, I am who I am for a reason. And I've got things in my past that are scars and scabs and warts that I can use in my future to help other people through their own difficulties. You were going to say something? Um, What about the person that recognizes their worth in God Mm -hmm. but still has... Like, I have so many friends that are like, I know I'm a child of God. I know yeah. that God has created me and that right there is so much work, but they still struggle with under. I think, I'm wondering if more of me, it's like a worldly view versus a godly view. They know in God's eyes. Right. They're worth, they're worth something, but maybe in the world's eyes, they're, they're not worth anything. Person. Yeah. How do you help them see that the worldview doesn't really matter? Yeah. About God's view. That that other people will treat you like dirt. Um, I would tell them like you must be a turn. I mean, 
You're not going to spend 20 years and you shouldn't be not, not trying to be needy. You shouldn't care. <laughs> but, like, you know, you're going to spend 20 somewhere else, so that's kind of more important, you know? That's a good place to start. I, when, I, uh, when people are mistreated, that's a really good question. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a perfect answer because I think it depends on this person. But I know before I have I have told people before if you're mistreated you're in good company. I mean think of what Jesus went through. I mean he was mistreated. Just because you're being mistreated does not define you. I mean people don't like you, call you names. I don't think I said it that eloquently. Even Jesus had haters. Yeah. My idea the idea of um of uh, you know. I guess I'm still trying to figure out. So just when people don't like you or you're getting opposition. Maybe not that they're – she's not getting opposition. It's one person. Okay, that's fine. opposition, but she feels less than herself like in public settings. Like she's not – like you were talking about, she doesn't have high self Confidence, yeah. But she recognizes her worth in God, and that's where when I try to help her, I have yeah. no idea what to say. I would just say, I think I would add that it's it's not going to be a, like, one and done thing. It's right. not going to be, like, someday she's going to have all this confidence and she's going to arrive to this plateau. I think, I think it's going to be a daily meeting with God and getting in his word. and it, Because that's where we are reminded. Yeah. And I think um, it's just got to, it's a daily and, fight. It's an hourly fight. And this, but this is why I think a focus I've been trying to emphasize here is on loving God and others. And if we focus on loving God and others, I think that does make a difference. Because then you're willing to overcome whatever insecurities you feel about your own weaknesses, your own, you know, um, and willing to step out there. Because trust me, when you, as you get older and as you have things you have to do that are challenging you, making you step out of your box, you have to go talk to people. I remember, um, this is a little bit different, but um, I had a good friend who, uh, he actually did cross impact for, before I did. Um, here, here at Winthrop, he's a Winthrop student, and uh, his mom died in a car wreck. And his dad called my dad, and my dad called me, and, he, and I was near him. We were, uh, we were near nearby. I was right near where he worked, and he said, "You need to go tell John to call his dad." And nothing in me wanted to do that. That was the worst feeling I've ever had in my life to go to somebody and be there with him when he finds out his mom had passed in a car wreck. Okay, that's not fun, but that takes love, and that takes me getting over myself having to say, I'm not, I hate putting myself up and saying, hey, do what I did. But the idea of I loved him more than I loved my comfort. Okay, I could have said, look, somebody else needs to do that. But I knew that I need to love him in this moment. I'm not perfect at this. I'm not great at this. In fact, Jenna will tell you I'm a terrible person at this kind of empathetic, like, cry on my shoulder stuff. I'm just not good at it. I'd much rather like, hey, you'll get it, you know, that's just not me, it's just not me, you know, I'm just not good at it, but you have to understand, in those moments, you have to make a decision, I'm going to love my brother through his most difficult, fiery trial he's going to go through, maybe ever, and, and this has to be bigger than me, and I think so much of life is like that, it's like, okay, I have to go out in, in public, and I don't feel very comfortable, but this is bigger than me, I am representing Christ, and I've got to get over myself and however insecure I feel. Because maybe, maybe deep down it's not that your friend is uh, unconfident because uh, 
they don't love themselves enough is maybe because they say, I, I wish I was skinnier, I wish I was better looking, I wish I was more funny, I wish whatever it is that people would look at me and smile, but they look at me and they give me a funny look and I don't like that feeling. And that root of that, I don't think, and I'm not saying this is that person's thought, I'm just saying, this is, these are common themes that I get when I counsel people. The root of that problem is not a lack of love for self, it's actually an abundance of love for self, where you are like, I love myself so much, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to risk being damaged or being looked down upon uh, in any way. Lindsay? Well, the only part of this is, like, you don't have to be taught to love yourself. I mean, if you look at Hallie, she's what one. And... And the other day, it's like I saw her like take something from someone and like got loved someone, someone took it back from her. It's like she loved herself enough that she wanted. Like, you don't teach a child to love themselves. They know when they arrive. Yeah. Like anyone kind of walk in. And I think a lot of times it's that learning to die to self. So I think you're right. Yeah, I'm just, I, main reason I'm throwing all this stuff out there is I want you to start to a little bit like recalibrate your thinking a little bit. Say, wait a second. It is what I'm thinking according to God's word, the right way, the right path to go down. Because if you get down the wrong path on something, even though it might sound good, it might take you far away from where you really want to be. It's just like whenever you evangelize to somebody, you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. You have to show that you love God and you love your neighbor more than you love yourself, so you're going to make sure your neighbor knows. And this is a big struggle because, like, personally, one of my things that I really always, I like it when people, um, you know, like anybody, I like it when people like me. I like when people are like, you know, like, I walk up to them and they smile. I don't like it when I walk up to people and they're like, you know, give me that stone face, cold, you know. Like, but I, I've been there before. I've been in situations where I've had to talk to people and they don't, they don't like me. And that's no fun. But you do it because it's not about you. Not to get too bogged down. I, is that okay? Are we kind of at a place where we can move on a little bit? Um, I don't want to beat this too much to death, but let's talk about partiality because I think this is just as important. If you turn to James chapter 2, you were talking about James. We're doing a little bit of James here. This is another kind of hypocritical love. We talk about hypocritical love. One is uh, there's um, this idea of partiality. I just have it up here on the board if you want to follow along. Um, It says, my brothers, do not, or brothers and sisters, don't hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, hey, you sit here in a good place. Say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Now, what kind of motives would those evil motives be? Superficiality. It's good. So you look at the outside of somebody and you're like, this is the kind of person I want to know. And you look at the outside of another person, you say, I'm not really sure I want that person to be in a place of honor. What kind of motives might be driving that? What they can give you. Yes. Exactly. This person has a vehicle and is occupying the same space, so I need him to be part of my bubble or whatever. Yeah, part of my so community. You should look at somebody and say, this person has got stuff that can help me, so I need to become buddy, buddy, chum, chum with this person. So the idea of using a rich person for your benefit, yeah, yeah. Another example to me would be like a customer that comes into food line. Yeah. Much more, and it sounds awful, but like customer service, it's, I would rather deal with the person that is clean, smells good, <laughs> and to be respectful. 
to me versus yeah. the person that's going to come in there and cuss me out or that comes in smelling like awful. Sure. Like, <laughs> that. We've all been there. I know that uh, when I'm smelling awful, I don't get as good customer service. <laughs> it's true. It's awful. But it's true. When I when I do when I go to the bank, I used to, uh, when I, a lot of times I go to the bank and I wear like a you know suit or a coat and tie or whatever. People treat you with respect. You walk around in a coat and tie. You know, I think you own the place. It's hilarious. You walk in Walmart with a coat and tie. People ask you where things are. <laughs> They're like, "Excuse me, excuse me." I'm like, "I don't work here." <laughs> uh, just go to Best Buy wearing a blue shirt, and then you see how that goes. And, uh, but uh, but no, the idea of evil motives of of here they are in a worship setting, and these people are thinking of themselves when they're talking about relationships. See, somebody comes in and they see the poor person, and they see what can they benefit me? Nothing. Sit over there. The rich person, they automatically start thinking, how can they benefit me? How can I use this person's wealth for my own benefit? It's, it's hypocritical. It's selfish. I think it's more than that. Since people, society is very visual, which is terrible. Yeah. So they're attracted to bright and shiny. So you automatically like gravitate to that person and want to, like I don't know, not just benefit from them, but be in their company. <laughs> uh, kind of like a, a, what's it called? What's it called the, when the people have like groupies that follow them around? What's it called? Entourage. Entourage, yeah, the entourage. <laughs> They, you have like an entourage of people around you. They feel honored to be, I don't know, it's just, the way society works, people are very visual and they want to be around stuff like that. Sure, and, but, the, but the point is, why do they want to be around it? Because of the benefit it gives them. Right. If you're in the entourage, you get a lot of the, the you get in with the crowd, right? Yeah. You, yeah, you get some of the benefits of being with this person. He says, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? In other words, it's in, in Christianity throughout history. You'll find that it's not the rich people who usually are the spiritual ones. It's usually the poor. But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they blaspheme the fair name which you have been called? In other words, these rich people had been abusing them, and yet they still try to kiss up to them. Yeah. How would you describe the difference between like a personal favoritism on like appearance of someone versus? Choosing friends that are going to be good to build up your character. That's a good question. Like, how do you find the balance? Because you want to be around people that are, like, good quality people in order to bring you up without mm-hmm. showing favoritism, like, picking them because they're better than someone else. What's the key character trait that you have to look for in a friend, according to the book of Proverbs? He who walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Wise people come in all shapes, colors, sizes. And you can't tell a wise person by their And you, and you can't always tell a wise person. The key that you're looking for in friends is wisdom. You're looking for a friend who, who, who you're not afraid of being with because you're not afraid of where the, I mean, I've been with, I've had friends, and you know these friends, who you're like, after, after you get home, after being out with them, you're like, how did I survive that night? <laughs> like, what happened? Like, how did this... What in the world? Like, why am I with this person? You know, you're, you're just happy you didn't get arrested or nobody saw what you were doing. You know, you're like, no, not to make this sound too bad. I didn't do anything terrible. But, Jacob, you like this? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> that is a fool, according to the Bible. You know, a wise person 
is what you're looking for. So you're not looking for, now sometimes, now the truth is, is this, is that often wisdom leads towards wealth or wisdom leads towards, you know, people who, who do, who are smart and who live righteously, often God blesses them. We see that in the, in the, in the Bible often. But it's not the same. Just because they're wealthy doesn't mean they're blessed. Yeah. It reminds me of the attitudes in Matthew. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Jenna? I was just going to say there's also a difference between like worshiping alongside fellow people in the body and friendship, and then friends are the people you like seek counsel from, you spend time with outside. It's not just, you know, you, you choose to spend time. Versus, you know, people who are put in your path that you don't get to choose, you're still, um, you know, we're still asked to love them and serve them. Why should you be kind to that smelly person at Food Lion? Because they're going to be wise. Well. Because you want to treat them, like, let's say you got into, like, some really bad stuff, like, you you fell in the zoo. And for whatever reason, you had to come out here. You didn't get to take a bath, and you had to be around them. You don't want them judging you if something bad happened. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, what I think about is Jesus probably did not smell great all the time. He was homeless. <laughs> 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 I just go there. I, w- I wouldn't use the word homeless because that has a lot of modern implications. It's not necessarily. He was without home. That's called that's called uh, anachronistic. I, I I would say he often. You're you're right in that he did not. <laughs> he was a tra- he was a he was a traveling itinerant uh, teacher, preacher, healer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd say homeless in the sense that when I think homeless, I don't think. But but okay, so point taken in that and that just uh, that is true. What I the point I was making is just what Kevin said: is that people are made in the image of God. So you don't know that. Yeah, they everyone deserves respect. Okay, not because of how much money they have, but because they're made in God's image. They're made in the image of God. They're, they're God's child. That God loves them. He died for them. They deserve respect. They deserve love. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't think we have to, in our, uh, anyway, I'm sorry, I forgot to do this last section here. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Partiality. It says here explicitly, if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So it's pretty harsh. The Bible says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Don't flirt with evil. We talked about this last week. Is hate always wrong? Well, uh, no, it's not. When you hate what is evil, that's fine. Um, You've got to abhor. You've got to have a dislike for evil. Um, Quickly, I want to get to this one section here. Um... Uh, this idea of committing yourself. Being committed means, because uh, this verse says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another and other. Committed, devotion being wholly committed to someone. That's what devotion means. Um, I want to get to this section here. Duh. We talked about this a little bit last week as well. Um, showing honor. How do you show honor? We, do, we didn't get to this. How do you show honor to people that you love? How do you show honor to those who are your, maybe your boyfriend, girlfriend, your significant other? Don't cheat on them. Okay. Don't cheat. Being faithful, sure. Don't lie. 
about respect, respecting marriage, right? So, uh, waiting until marriage to have sex with someone is very important. It's a way of showing honor to somebody. Um, this ties right into this other section here, which is helping others walk with God. Let's look at these last three verses here. I think this will kind of tie it in a bow, maybe. Um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says this, Not lagging behind in diligence, but fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Um, if you're going to help, if you're going to really help somebody grow, if you're going to be a good friend, if you're going to be in a relationship, uh, you've got to be connect. You've got to be committed to helping other people walk with God. And this means connected or committed to energetic uh, serving, not lagging behind in diligence. So it's easy to get lazy in our relationships, isn't it? It's easy to get lazy, especially when you've known somebody for a while. Um, you take them for granted. You aren't diligent in looking after their needs, but the Bible says you're supposed to be uh, not lagging behind in your diligence. We're supposed to be fervent in spirit, um, serving the Lord. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, the better your relationship with the Lord is, the better your relationship with others. So as you serve God and as you have a, a fervency in spirit, that's an energy, a kind of emotional energy that you're, you're working hard to serve God. Um, so part of your loving your brothers and sisters in Christ is having a fervent spirit or attitude as you serve God. As you do this, um, as you serve others, you're making relationships work. Serving. So here's the other question. Should we, if we should serve others, serving the Lord and serving others, how does it feel when you're actually treated like a servant? Like when you're that roommate who is being used. Like crap. Yeah, it feels, it feels terrible. It makes you feel like a garbage. Yeah. It's feel like your heart's not worth knowing. Okay, that's a very good way of saying it. Like, so what's the temptation when we're being used? We walk, the, away. We walk away, yeah. Um, or to inconvenience family return. Oh, you had to be revengeful. Be vengeful. Yeah. You can you can be used over and over and no one knows. And it's like you still do that, but your heart's not in the right spot. Oh you're yeah. Yourself. You're letting it build up, maybe? Yeah, you're, it build up. So it's like you're still you're still doing everything you do teaching for the school or doing communion, whatever that may be, but you're not doing it with the right attitude to where Um, How does Jesus provide us an example of serving through humility? That's exactly what I thought of. John 13, where Jesus went one by one by one to his disciples and he washed their stinky, stinky feet. And he even went to Judas and washed Judas' feet. And he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> and he washed Judas's feet. I want you to think about this for a second, and we'll wrap it up. He washed Judas's feet with so much love that the disciples did not know which one of them was going to be the betrayer. He knew what Judas. He knew Judas was the betrayer. Yet Jesus, when he washed their feet, he didn't treat Judas any differently than he treated James, John, any of them. Now, could you do that? I know I couldn't. Did Judas know that he knew this? Did Judas know he was already betrayed at this point? Or he, did, you, did Judas know what? He was going to be betraying him at this yeah, point? Yeah, he had already betrayed him. Oh, he did? He had already sold him. Oh, 
or he had he had he, had, he was on yeah he'd already sold he made the deal yeah yeah, yeah. And then Jesus looks at him and says, "What you must do, go do you know, do quickly." And they, but but he says, "One of you is going to betray me." And they're all looking around like, "Is it me, Lord? Is it I? Is it I?" And 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 Jesus doesn't doesn't let on. Yeah. I have kind of an odd example of this. Sure. They steal from everybody. Ooh. They steal from me. They steal from Ms. Nelson. He's my mentor teacher. Um, they're just not. They're just not nice. Um, and I can tell, like when we do fun, engaging activities with science experiments or like readers theater, I will like purposely choose not to pick them sometimes because of the way they act. Yeah. And I'm like, they cannot handle this. But it's really because. I don't want them to engage in this activity because they're cruel. Yeah. So in a way, I am being terrible to them as a Christian. And isn't not it? Loving them. You know, one of the hardest things, and you, that's very, very brave of you to, to 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 talk like that because I'm saying one of the hardest things to do is what you're saying right there is where we are so good at covering up our. Are what we're doing, we excuse ourselves. Say, well, you know, I'm just being thoughtful of the other students. We're really on the inside. You know, really, you're like, I'm going to get back at you. I have control over who I pick, and you're not one of them. <laughs> not that you thought those words. But we've all, and what part of what I'm kind of doing here is I'm hoping to, to help you see, look, we've all got to peel back some of that stuff and say, look, it's, it's not about being perfect. It's not about being the perfect Christian or, or having all the answers or anything. Just be honest with God. And that's where you start to grow. When you start to like make honest, real life decisions at the bedrock of your life, where you're saying, "What is the real reason I'm doing this, and what is the right thing to do at this point?" Um, I know we don't have any time, but uh, a couple of the things that are said here is that we are to be rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to prayer. I have to. Um, this has to do with future hope. We're not going to get into a lot of that. Um, when the world puts pressure on you from the outside, you need to persevere. So what temptations do we have? Um, here's, a, here's a question I have for you, and then we'll close. Do you pray with your friends? Why or why not? I don't pray with my friends enough. And I really, I, as I was studying this, I kind of just, that question popped into my head. Do I pray with my friends? Like, when, if we're kind of have relationships with people, we should pray with them. You know? Devoted to prayer is in this past in this section on, on relationships. How much of your social life is also your prayer life? That's really uh, it. Might be easier for girls because girls are more relational in general. Guys are more like, you know, more about what? What did you? I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, like, I'll, I'll come home and be like, something, I'll tell Jenna about something terrible, another guy happened to another fella, and I was like, so-and-so told me about such-and-such, and she's like, really? Tell me the details. I'm like, so-and-so, such-and-such happened to so-and-so. Like, that's, that's what I know. And for guys, it's like you're lifting. It's like the whole, it's just Jeff Foxworthy they have a thing about that. He says, you know, you're in the weight room, and the guy's like, I'm getting divorced. He's like, oh, that stinks. Will you spot me? You know, and then they go on and lift weights. And so it's this idea, you know, I understand that. But still, as guys, that's something we got to work on, too. Um, and we're not going to have time to get in this last section. But I hope... Pride. What's that? Pride. Of course it is. Of course it's called pride. I hope that uh, you guys can um, be focused on others and focused on God this week as we continue to move forward talking about relationships. We're going to get started into um, 
as soon as I come back, uh, this book called The Peacemaker is talking about how to resolve conflicts in a biblical way. The rest of the semester, we're going to talk about that. That's going to be the, the basis for the Bible study. So I hope if you want to read the book, you can. Uh, it's a great book. Um, but I think this will be helpful as we talk through those kind of things. And if you have any questions, feel free to stay around as long as you want. Lots of snacks available. Laura, thank you so much for the time we're spent together tonight. I pray you'd help everybody as we um, try to live life uh, the right way, that you would just bless it and help us to make good decisions and to, to look out at others and not so be so focused inwardly as we often are. Thank you for your steadfast love you show towards us that uh, no matter what we do, you've always loved us and you always will. We pray you bless the remainder of this night. In Jesus' name, amen.